Welcome to A Well Cared For Human, the podcast that tries to convince you that you are 100% normal and an even better than okay example of the human species, despite the fact that sometimes we feel like the craziest, most incapable, or worthless creatures on the face of this planet. I'm Corey, an author, a creative, and the host of the show. Whatever you're bringing to the table today, I hope this episode proves to be a dose of inspiration for you on your quest to become a well-cared-for human. You can find the episode show notes, your free wellness blueprint, and more at awellcaredforhuman.com. And as always, thank you for listening. Hello, humans. It's your host, Corey, and today we're going to talk about grounding techniques. And if you're like me, someone who struggles with anxiety, then grounding techniques are a great way to deal with that. <laughs> and of course, this is at top of mind this week for me because I've personally been struggling with my anxiety a lot. This week, I don't know exactly if it's the changing weather or if it's something hormonal or sugar-induced or too much caffeine or not enough sleep. I really don't know what I've done to trigger this anxiety, but I'm definitely having a moment where I'm way too much in my head and not enough in my body, and it's really starting to wear on me. And so when I started to think about how I wanted to address this, I realized that I had never shared specifically the grounding techniques that I use when I'm having a bout of anxiety. And so that's what this episode is about. It's about how to use these grounding techniques to help if you're dealing with some anxiety. And if you're not familiar with the term grounding, grounding is essentially doing tactile activities, tactile practices that get you out of your head and into your body. Because anxiety can very much be perpetuated or made worse by our thoughts. Anxiety is definitely felt in the body. So for example, when I'm anxious, I feel sick to my stomach, I feel real jittery. I also have this strange feeling where my arms, like my biceps, are weak. (laughs) They're kind of like heavy, which I don't exactly know what that is or why specifically that part of my body. But anxiety is definitely registered in the body, but it's created by this cycling in the mind. So for me this week, for example, there was a lot of worry about my future, what's going to happen in the future, am I going to be okay, are things going to work out the way I want them to, and that's very much generated by the mind and by the thoughts. And so grounding is meant to interrupt that cycle and also to slow it down because anxiety definitely has a speed to it, there's speed associated with anxiety. And so because of the speed and because the mind is a trickster, It's very much a landscape of smoke and mirrors. It does not always tell us the truth about ourselves or about our situations. And so when we get lost in those thoughts, in that mental landscape, our anxiety starts to skyrocket. It starts to increase. So these techniques are meant to slow that down. And that's what's meant by grounding, basically getting out of your head and back into your body. And there's something I want to say about grounding techniques to make it clear what they're not. So there are negative manifestations of grounding techniques. So for example, if you are or know someone who's ever used self-harm, such as cutting yourself, that's a negative expression of a grounding technique because you're creating pain in your body in order to bring your attention to your body, but you're also hurting yourself. So that would be a negative expression of grounding. When we use drugs or alcohol, also, that's meant to create a very physical sensation, a very physical experience. It slows everything down. But again, it's hurting ourselves. It's hurting our body. Same with eating disorders. When I was dealing with my bulimia, 
this cycle that I would have of binge eating and purging, it was very much a physical experience, but it was a negative manifestation of that grounding experience. And so I just want to be clear that when I talk about these grounding techniques, I'm talking about healthy, (laughs) healthy grounding techniques, not these activities that may be mimicking grounding, but are in fact actually hurting us more. And there's a lot of reasons why you might find grounding techniques helpful. You struggle with disassociation if you have any kind of trauma backgrounds, if you deal with panic or feeling overwhelmed or chronic pain in your body. When I experience my back pain, my anxiety definitely goes up because I start having thoughts like, oh, I'm going to have to learn how to live like this. I'm going to have back pain forever. (laughs) You know, our mind starts to catastrophize these experiences. And so whatever you're dealing with that's creating the anxiety, I'm hoping that there are some techniques here today that you can find and use or try out that are healthy forms of grounding rather than things that may just cause you more pain or distress down the line. So what do we do when we have anxiety, when our anxiety has us in a chokehold, when we're feeling like things are not okay and they're never going to be okay? again, that we are going to have to learn how to live like this. What do we do to interrupt that momentum, to interrupt those fearful thoughts? Well, here are some of the things that I do, but essentially you'll notice a pattern among all the examples, which is that they're very felt or experienced in the body. It's very much about coming back to the present moment, kind of concretizing your experience, pulling yourself back to the present rather than being fearful about the future. This is not true for all anxiety, but my anxiety definitely is usually focused on future events. I'm very worried about what will happen in the next hour or the next day or the next month or where will I be in a year. Those are the sources of my anxiety (laughs) is the future. And so bringing yourself back to the present is kind of pulling you away from that anxious space of not knowing what's going to happen, that unease with uncertainty that we all experience. And so these are the techniques that I use to combat that. I go walk. I like walking. I've talked many times before about walking. And when I'm walking, I can do it a couple of different ways. I can either power walk (laughs) so that I'm so focused on moving my body forward that I'm really pushing myself to move that I can't really think about much else. Or I can go very calm. I can go very slow and make it more meditative in which I'm concentrating on putting my entire foot on the ground. So feeling my foot touch from heel to toe with each step, being very focused on that, listening to my environment. There's a lot of birds in my neighborhood, for example. I love that. There's also a barred owl that's been hanging out. And so I listen for these birds. I listen to the environment around me. So very much being in my body, feeling the sensation of walking, that's one thing to do. If I don't feel like using my body to walk or to do something physical, I can also do a body scan. And I think I've mentioned this as a meditative exercise before, but in case I haven't, or if this is your very first episode, let me just tell you a little bit about that. So a body scan is when you turn your attention to a singular part of your body in turn. So for example, maybe you'll start with your feet and you'll focus on your toes. You'll kind of check in with your toes, which sounds silly, but you're like, how do my toes feel? Do I experience any pain in my toes? Maybe you'll clench your toes and then relax your toes and then you move upward. You go into the foot. Maybe you flex your foot and then relax your foot. See if you feel any pain. Go up to the heel. You flex it and can you relax your heel? I don't know. (laughs) Then you keep going up to the calves. And so you go from your foot to your head to the top of your head and you're 
progressively clenching and relaxing your muscles to kind of reconnect with your body to have something to focus on besides your racing thoughts. And then I also like breathing techniques. There's a box breathing technique that I like. It's where you breathe in for four, hold for four, exhale for four, and then hold at the bottom for four before you take another breath. And just keeping that in a nice even rhythm, that's also pretty good about calming me down. I also like to use my senses, so the five senses, listening to something, smelling something, tasting something, looking at something, or touching something. Using the five senses, though, kind of what I touched on before, it's about balance. Because again, you can use grounding techniques in a negative capacity, such as hurting yourself or overeating or doing any of these things that will cause more harm later, drinking alcohol or whatever. I mean, if you enjoy these things and they are not a problem for you, more power to you. But if you know that this is something that you struggle with that you can't really do in a moderate, healthy way, be mindful of that when you try to use a grounding technique. You know, savor your food in a beverage, like enjoy how it tastes, enjoy the experience of consuming it. But if you're feeling bingy, you know, maybe that's not the grounding technique for you. (laughs) I have to be careful with that, right? When does a nice comforting bowl of ice cream become, I don't know, two gallons or something? There's a cutoff point for me that I have to be aware of because of my history. And so same thing for touch, the negative manifestation of that being like cutting, which I was mentioning before, doing something to your body to hurt it. That's an unhealthy manifestation of grounding because you're giving your body attention and you're bringing your attention to your body, but not in a great way, right? You're hurting it. I've also known people, myself included, who have used sex, for example, in a really destructive way to kind of get back into your body. But again, you don't feel great after the fact. (laughs) It's not a good experience. You usually feel worse about yourself as a person. So again, being mindful about how we use the senses, but in a positive way. Some healthy ways that I use the senses to ground myself is listening to things. So like listening to the birds, which I mentioned, or listening to music or listening to something that I find calming. I really find Pema Chodron's audiobooks very helpful. So maybe I'll turn her on and I'll just listen to her talk. Most of her audiobooks are recordings of talks that she'd given in the past. So someone just, I guess, went to the talk and they recorded it and then they put it all together and called it an audiobook. <laughs> but I listen to those and I find them very soothing. I find her very comforting and her ideas very comforting. You could also listen to this podcast if you find me to be comforting like that. I hope that that's true. You can try smelling something. I've mentioned before that I really love the smell of lavender and citrusy things. So smelling bergamot or orange or lemon or lavender. That's a nice way to kind of check back in with my body and slow everything down, give myself something pleasant to experience. We already talked about taste. Anything that makes you happy, do that in moderation. Sight. I like looking at certain things that I find very calming. It's one of the reasons why when I was really struggling with anxiety in the past, I would go to the museum all the time. I don't have a great museum near me now, unfortunately. The closest really good museum is like Chicago, which is like half a day away. So it's not accessible. But if I can go to a big art museum and I can wander around and stare at the paintings and stuff, I always found that very soothing. The experience of kind of walking around the halls, looking at the art, everything going very slow. It's it's very much a visual experience that I find to be very soothing. And then touch. Sometimes I'll place my hand on my thigh, like I just did. Maybe it picked up on the microphone. But you touch your thigh and then you can just kind of be like, this is my leg. <laughs> Here I am. Because again, there's this idea that the mind is very speedy when it's spinning off like that, when you're caught up in your anxiety and you're sort of losing your mind. You 
almost forget where you are or you almost forget like are you okay in the moment like where you are and so sometimes if I just put my hand on my leg I'm like you know I'm right here like I'm not in the future dealing with this struggle that I think is going to happen that's imminently rushing toward me I'm right here and I'm okay you know my body is okay I can feel it it's fine it's not dying it's actually right here other tactile things that I've used in the past, I don't know if you remember this when this was a trend, but there were these trends of slimes. They were, you probably saw them on Instagram or TikTok, whatever, but you would get these slimes and they were very tactile. You would like squish them and stretch them and it can also be clay or Play-Doh. It doesn't have to be one of these slimes, but it was a physical experience that sort of helped you to work out that excess energy, to do something with your hands that was sort of relaxing, sort of meditative. I also had a friend who would hold ice. I would not personally do this because I don't love the sensation of my hand being frozen. <laughs> I find ice to be almost burning. You know, it's so cold that it burns. And so I would not hold ice, but she found it to be very calming to hold a piece of ice until she calmed down. So you could do that as well. Another touch experience would be to take a hot shower or a warm bath, something that you can sit in and kind of relax your muscles to again, ground yourself to come back to the present moment. And see, these are just all examples of you using your body to bring yourself back to the present moment. Rather than letting your mind convince you that you're in this dangerous situation whenever it is in the future, tomorrow, a week from now, a month from now, a year from now, whatever it is you think is going to happen, whenever you think it's going to happen, bringing yourself back into your body can counteract that. Also, you could create a safe space for yourself, and this can be literally or metaphorically. I know people who do it in their minds, so they kind of have this visual that they use. One of my friends has a garden, so she has a garden in her mind that she tends, and so she's got flowers in there, she's got vegetables, and she will go to it in her mind. She will visualize it in her mind, and she feels much calmer and safer in that space. And then literally, if you have a safe space, like maybe you have a chair that you feel really comfy in, and you go and you sit in your chair with your blanket, and you're like, I'm just giving myself a timeout. <laughs> <laughs> kind of like what we do for children when they get really upset, right? We put them in a corner, they give them a timeout, and they calm down. Just because you might be 40 years old, like me, doesn't mean you don't need a timeout sometimes from your feelings. So you can go to your literal safe space or your metaphorical safe space. I've also heard people use with great success. I haven't done it personally, but it's something that I'm thinking about doing because I've heard such good things about it, which is recitation. Recitation, either saying a poem that you memorized, or maybe you have a prayer that you say when you're feeling very anxious, if you're a spiritual or religious person, or if you count. Some people, when they get anxious, they'll just start counting. And there's something about the repetition and the use of your voice that helps to de-escalate the anxiety. So that's something I'm personally going to try in the future. I'm thinking maybe I'm going to probably have a poem that I memorize and then say to myself, something inspiring. <laughs> Probably a poem about anxiety, actually, <laughs> that I will start to recite to myself whenever I start to feel anxious. Also, you could use visualization to concretize your anxiety. And this is a exercise that I got from Pima Children in which you really get curious about what your anxiety is like. So for example, if you and I were sitting together, I might say to you, what color is your anxiety? What does your anxiety taste like? What does it smell like? What does it sound like? If it was a person, who would it be? If it had a voice, whose voice is it? And so you get really specific until you can turn your anxiety into this kind of visual image. And again, because it concretizes it, it de-escalates it. One of the reasons why anxiety feels so powerful in our mind is because it's just, it's everywhere. It's all over the place. It's more like a shifting, undulating darkness 
threatening to swallow us whole rather than something specific that we can name or point at or look to. So if you can concretize your anxiety and you're like, it's this, I don't know, my third grade math teacher or something, very random example. But you know, if you concretize it in that way, it brings it down, it funnels it and makes it very specific. And so it has less power over you and your thoughts. Oh, and another example for using your body that I forgot to mention before is dancing or doing some kind of hard, fast, rapid physical activity. I don't recommend this for everyone. Not everyone likes to do this. (laughs) Some people, in fact, probably think this is worse than the anxiety itself. But for example, if you wanted to do, I don't know, 100 jumping jacks really quickly, or you wanted to jump rope for two minutes, or a more fun example would be to dance to your favorite song. Moving your body sometimes also dispels that excess energy and again it's very grounding because it brings you back into your body. You're now feeling your body move. Maybe you're listening to music that will shift your energy and your perspective as well. That kind of thing. I've also liked doing a coloring book or some kind of art. Something simple that I can focus on that really, again, grounds me, brings me back into my body. It's easy. My all-time favorite is turning on an ASMR video. So I really like Latte. Her name is Latte. If you're like, what? (laughs) There's an ASMR artist. Her name is Latte. I subscribe to her channel. And she has a lot of ASMR videos. And so I'll turn one of those on. And I'll listen to it in my ears while I'm coloring, like in a coloring book. And I find that to be really soothing. That's like one way that I find a lot of comfort and ease when I'm really going through it. Another thing that I've done is I'll plan something that excites me. So this could be anything. This could be a meal that I really want to make or a treat that I really want to go and get. Or it could be a day trip or an excursion that I want to go on either by myself or with Kim or with my friends. Anything that I can look forward to. It generates that sense of excitement and then I'm more focused on, oh, I get to do that than on the anxiety that's currently choking me to death. (laughs) You know, so it gives my mind something else to be preoccupied with than something terrible. Also, get support if you need it. There is no shame. If your anxiety is just way too high and there is no grounding technique in the world that's making you feel safe in your body again, don't be ashamed to reach out to a friend, to reach out to a therapist, to reach out to someone to help yourself get back to a place that's more manageable, that's more workable. I've had to do that many a time and often, and I'm sure I will have to do it again. So don't beat yourself up if that's the case. Also, try not to judge yourself. I really struggled with my anxiety for so long because I felt like I must be a really weak person to even feel anxious at all. That like only weak, mentally troubled people struggle with this. And I gave myself a really hard time about that. And it was compounded, of course, because my father, narcissistic personality disorder man that he was, he compounded this by telling me that this was true you know that he was saying you are weak and you're just as mentally disturbed as your mother so on and so forth and so if you've had someone say those things to you or if you say them to yourself it's not true you're not a weak person just because you struggle with anxiety everyone gets anxious from time to time some of us it's more uh common (laughs) and for some of us it's stronger but it's part of the human machine there's nothing wrong with you just because you're dealing with this and then kind of connected to that was this idea of changing my perception about my anxiety and what i mean by that is i taught myself to view my anxiety as an opportunity and before you're like nope and you turn off this episode (laughs) hear me out when i say that i trained myself to see my anxiety as an opportunity i'm not talking about any kind of false positivity crap 
obviously anxiety is awful. Obviously, no one wants to have it, and we're not trying to be, like, feeling good about it. But what I'm saying is that I learned to sit with my anxiety compassionately. It allowed me to develop more self-love, self-compassion, more patience, because I was able to look at it as, you know, this is the result of my experiences. And I feel this way because there's a part of me that wants to keep myself safe. There's a part of me that loves myself so much that it's trying to anticipate dangers. It's trying to make sure that nothing gets me. And whenever this anxiety comes up, it gives me a chance to appreciate these aspects of myself, appreciate the self-love aspect, appreciate the, the chance to get to know myself more, to get to know my fears more, to get to understand myself on a more intimate level, why I am the way I am, why I became this way. And then just appreciate how much work I put into trying to take good care of myself and to navigate through the world. So it's just a way to say, you know what, this feeling is not awesome by any means, but it is a chance for me to practice self-love with myself and I can try to find a place of gratitude for that opportunity to practice self-love for myself. So you could try it. You could try this out for yourself. Don't take my word for it. See if you can find some tenderness and self-compassion for yourself the next time you're feeling anxious. If not, don't beat yourself up about it. And so that's it for today, dear human. These are just some ideas for you to think about the next time you're feeling anxious. But honestly, just do whatever works for you. If it's something that gets you out of your head and back into your body, if it slows down your thoughts and makes you feel calmer, then do that. And before I sign off, I'd like to remind you that I've opened up the show to questions. So if you have a specific question or situation that you want me to offer my thoughts or experiences on, you can email me at Corey at CoreyMshrum.com or reach out to me through any of my social media. I always love hearing from you guys. Otherwise, I will be back next week with another episode of A Well-Cared-For Human, and until then, please take good care of you. This episode of A Well-Cared-For Human was written and produced by me, Corey Marie. The music was by Late Night Feeler and Esther Abrami. If you like what I'm doing here, please consider visiting my Patreon. For as little as a dollar a month, you get early ad-free access to the episodes, as well as a monthly patrons-only Q&A, bonus videos, and more. Not to mention that your Patreon support lets me know that you find value in the show and want it to continue. You can find me on Patreon by visiting www.patreon.com forward slash Marie. If you can't support the show financially, that is okay. You can still subscribe to the show, leave a review of the show, and recommend the show to your friends, not just the neurotic ones. All of this helps so much. And as always, thank you for listening.